Humanity Chats, a conversation about everyday issues that impact humans. Join us. Together, we can go far. Hello and welcome to Humanity Chats. It's Thursdays, we get together and we talk about everyday issues that impact humans. Today, we have an another we have another amazing guest, um, the Honorable Erica Majimsi. And I tell you, she leads a life of service. Um, happy Veterans Day to everyone out there. Thank you for your service. Um, let me tell you a little bit more about Judge Erica before we bring her into the house. Um, she currently serves as the chief municipal judge for the city of Spartanburg, where she started the first homeless court in the upstate of South Carolina. She is the first African-American to hold the position of municipal judge for the city of Spartanburg. And in 1996, she was hired as the first African-American female prosecutor for the seventh judicial circuit and worked as the circuit's first full-time domestic violence prosecutor, as well as previously serving as an attorney for the South Carolina Department for Juvenile Justice. Look, I could go on and on and on. She is also a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. Um, she is involved with a lot of volunteer work. She has received numerous awards. Um, the list goes on and on. And, you know, to know more about Judge Erica, the Honorable Erica McJamesy, visit our blog, margimarch.com, read all about her. We're going to check the green room to see if she is ready for us. Hold on tight. This is Humanity Chats with Margie. And as I said earlier, we do this on Thursdays. We get together and talk about everyday issues that impact humans. I am your hostess with the mostest, an author, visionary, and consultant. And at this time, we're going to bring Judge Erica McJimsey into the house. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. It is good to see you, Honorable Erica. <laughs> it's it's so hard for me to get into saying all that. <laughs> I know. Erica is good. That's that's yes. perfect. <laughs> yes, yes, I know, I know. It's good to see you. Welcome to Humanity Chats. Thank you for having me. You know, it is it is appropriate for us to have you today as it is Veterans Day and you have learned a life of service. But before we get into the conversation, what we like to do with Humanity Chats is we like to ask you to share three fun facts about you. It could be anything. It could be like, uh, I like to dance or I like to um, to climb um, um, uh, mountains or hike or anything. Three fun facts that... We're not going to find when we read your bio on the internet. Yes. Three fun facts about me. One that's not necessarily a fun fact, but it is a phobia that I have. I have a serious phobia of cats. So anytime cats are around, I am going to be on high alert. My close friends and my family know that if they see a cat, alert me, let me know because I will embarrass you if you don't. And so that's one, that's one interesting fact. Uh, another interesting fact, I served in the military for over 10 years and I was 27 years old when I joined. So I was not 
the traditional young soldier. I was 27 years old and I was commissioned as a first lieutenant. And the third interesting fact is I never really changed a diaper until I became a mom. And I was 30, 30 years old, 31, 32 when I became a mom and I never changed a diaper. So that is strange to a lot of people, but I just, I just never had a desire. Never, you know, if I was with a baby and a parent was around, I said, Hey, that diaper needs to be changed. I think you need to do that. So uh, I had to learn that uh, when I became a first time mom is how to change a diaper. So that was, that was, that was hard. Well, we have learned uh, um, we have learned some of your secrets today, and don't don't it's not uh, it's not so uncommon. I had never changed a diaper until I became a mom, and I was actually I was actually terrified of my baby because um, I thought I thought he was so skinny, he was so tiny, and I, I was afraid that I was going to break him. I, oh, I was, me too. Yes, yes. Well, um, as, as I said before, thank you. Um, and thank you to our viewers and our listeners for tuning in. If you're here, drop a comment. Um, you can ask Judge McGypsy any questions. Um, we welcome that. Um, and we're going to get right into it. Reading your bio, learning about you, you lead a life of service. Now, can you tell us why you chose to do that? Uh, really, service was in the very foundation and the makeup of who I am. I can remember growing up, uh, my first act of service was five years old. I was a brownie, and service was really stressed by my parents growing up. We were taught that it was better to give than to receive, and we just we just knew that a part of our life was to give back to others. I saw that demonstrated in my father and my mother and my grandparents, a whole line of family members who were involved in service, not only professionally, but uh, just in terms of who they are. I can remember times where uh, we would be traveling in the car and my dad would see someone homeless or someone that was on the street and he'd just stop and give them a ride or give them food. And, you know, that made an indelible mark in regard to who I am and who I became because I saw my parents serving. I saw my parents giving oftentimes when we didn't have you know, I would think, okay, dad, I just asked you for $10 and you told me you didn't have it. And then someone on the street asked for $10 and you you gave it to them. And I knew we didn't grow up with a lot of resources, but we understood the obligation that we had to serve and to be a blessing to those around us. So that aspect of service is, is just always been who I am. And it's something that's, that's very dear and near to my heart. So now, um, I learned about your homeless project. I know that you mentor several girls. Um, could you tell us about the kind of service that you are into now? Uh, currently, I, I'm involved in a, a lot of service-oriented or, actions. Um, back in 2019, I implemented the first homeless court within the city of Spartanburg. And that really arose from seeing the issue of homelessness and the impact that it was having in my courtroom and the individuals that I was seeing on a daily basis who were coming in for what I would consider minor offenses, trespassing, uh, vagrancy, uh, drunk, and certain issues like that. And I thought, wow, how unfair is it that there are people who are in need who are homeless and we're punishing these people without providing them with resources. So that really became a, a somewhat of a burden on my heart to, to figure out how we could help these individuals 
not only have access to justice, but maybe even have a second chance at life. And I really didn't realize the impact and the shame that homelessness has on an individual, but seeing that firsthand led me to implement the first homeless court here in the city of Spartanburg. That was back in 2019, and we've seen a number of individuals go through the program who were homeless at the time, become self-sufficient, gain jobs, gain housing, and to gain a certain sense of dignity that they didn't have prior to coming into the courtroom. So uh, that was near and dear to my heart. It was an answer to prayer and just being able to see the process of restoration happen in the criminal justice system. Because oftentimes when people come in the courtroom, the first thing they think about is, is punishment. And that is a part of committing a crime, but there also needs to oftentimes be a component of restoration. So what I consider uh, the homeless court is an act of restorative justice. It's the justice system being used to restore individuals rather than punish them. So it, it's been a beautiful thing to witness the uh, people come through this courtroom and to see their lives change. Uh, people are young, uh, old, white, black, it, it, you know, they're, they're, they cross the spectrum because tragedy and uh, hard times can fall upon anyone. I mean, it, it doesn't know a certain race. It doesn't know a certain gender. It doesn't know a certain economic status. So uh, that is something I believe uh, for a lifetime will carry me. Uh, and when I look back, you know, once I get gray and old, I'll be able to look upon having the opportunity to serve my community in such a way. So that that program is near and dear to my heart, and I'm I'm privileged to be able to lead it for the city of Spartanburg. What a testimony! And to also hear from hear back from the people that have been through the program, and to know that they are successful, you are impacting lives. Yes, and and it feels good. <laughs> feels yeah. good to be able to do that. Yes, yes. What what a testament to your career and to your life of service. Now, tell me a little bit more about some of the other service projects that you are involved in. I also established back in 2017 a leadership movement for young girls between the ages of 12 and 19. It's called SOAR. Uh, and it just means SOAR, you know, to go as high into the highest height that you can go. It's called SOAR Leadership and Mentorship Summit. And I run that program with several other mentors. And in that program, we focus on leadership skills. We focus on building the next generation of leaders. Our motto is lead, serve, and excel. And it's near and dear to my heart. I love working with young girls. I love uh, somewhat serving as a bridge uh, to the future. I feel like the seeds that we deposit in these young girls will be seeds that will hopefully flourish uh, for a lifetime. We teach them life skills. We teach them the value of knowing their voice. We, we speak to them, not only to where they are, but to where they're going and the endless possibilities that await them if they're willing to commit to having a spirit of excellence. So we have about 15 girls and we've been with most of these girls for the last three years We've had several of them graduate from high school and quite a few that are now in college. So just to be able to see them blossom and change and grow has been so rewarding. Uh, I'm a mom of three boys, so I don't have girls. So 
I consider all of these young ladies my my girls, so I get the opportunity to share uh, in a part of their lives. Well, what a role model. And and for the girls to see you so accomplished and, and to know that they can also make something of your lives. Yes, yes, they definitely can and will. You know, as you're telling me all this, I can tell that it was based on a certain foundation. Like you were telling us that you started being in service when you were a young girl. Now, what made you decide to um, to sign up to to serve your country when you were 27 years old? Uh, that was sort of a, a an anomaly. Uh, when I decided to join the military, my entire family thought I had lost it. They were like, are you what? You're going to do what? Uh, because I, I've not ever been the type of person that was very athletic, very physical. Uh, if it was raining outside, I'd want an umbrella. I, you know, I, you know, I took sort of the easy route. Uh, but I really felt uh, at that point in my life that there was something more at that time, I was serving as a prosecutor, and on the weekends, I would find myself thinking, "I need something to do." I, you know, there's more. And joining the military exposed me to a different way of life. It exposed me to a different level of service. It gave me the opportunity not only to serve my country but to serve individuals. I met uh, during those ten years some of the most amazing people with some of the most amazing stories. I was actually serving in the military uh, during 9-11, and I was able to help deploy uh, a multitude, hundreds and thousands of soldiers uh, during that time by helping them to prepare wills and, and, and things of that nature to help them prepare uh, powers of attorneys to help things and affairs be taken care of uh, when they uh, began deploying. So uh, that was, one again, one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. I was able to travel to Europe several times. I had experiences that I would not have otherwise been uh, able to have through serving in the military. So again, those 10 years were extremely rewarding and some of the best times uh, in terms of adventures of my, my life. Well, as you've talked about the past and you've talked about the present, I think we're going to go into the future. Um, what advice do you have for the younger generation that want to go into service, what should they be looking out for? What kind of activities do you think are out there for the younger generation, even if they are considering serving their country? What advice do you have? I would tell them to, to definitely look into it, lean into it. Uh, just understand that when you sign that line, you you belong uh, to your country. You have to be willing to make the sacrifice. And, and sometimes there are those who have made the ultimate sacrifice by giving of their lives to the benefit of others. It is an honorable way to serve your country. And you don't necessarily have to serve full time. You can do like I did and serve as what we call a weekend warrior. Uh, there's so many opportunities available through the serving of our country. And if young people are willing and dedicated to make that sacrifice. They should definitely look into it. It is not for everyone, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I've seen people get into it unaware without counting the cost. Uh, there, There is a tremendous sacrifice that that's made by men and women who wear the uniform. And uh, I hold each and every person who has uh, wore the uniform, I hold them in, in high regard uh, because unless you have made that sacrifice, you have no idea 
uh, what that entails for that service member and for that service member's family. I can remember uh, when I got married, I was in the service and I missed my uh, middle son. I missed his first haircut and I cried like a baby. I said, I came back from three weeks of, of duty and his hair was cut. And I was like, you got his hair. You know, I missed, uh, I can remember his first birthday and having to travel out of the country the next day. I can remember uh, missing soccer games and, and missing so many. At one point, I, I went to my son. I said, I apologize for missing your soccer game. And he said, well, mom, it's okay. Dad was there. And, you know, you know that crushed me. I mean, some people that would have been, you know, comforting that your, your husband's there. He's doing a great job. But to me, it, it was sort of like a, a dagger in my heart that I was missing so many opportunities to see my child grow and to have those first. So again, oftentimes we take for granted the sacrifice that others have made, that we can have freedom, that we can have access to certain things that we take for granted. So I I think it's an admirable, an honorable opportunity. It is one that you do need to count the cost. My first pregnancy, I was in the military And I recall being at Fort Jackson uh, and I was married by that time. And my husband went with me on my weekend drill and they're they're on Fort Jackson. They're on the uh, campus. They're on the uh, the base. I went into preterm labor and had to be rushed to the hospital uh, and had to stay in the hospital overnight uh, because I was dehydrated. I was there and, you know, they're serving my country and, you know, came into a a crisis uh, during my pregnancy. So. Uh, people just don't realize sometimes the the sacrifice that soldiers make. So uh, it's admirable, it's honorable. It is something that we need young people to uh, see the importance of serving, but we also need young people to also be willing to count the costs uh, when they make that commitment. Wow. I'm just amazed at how you lead your life. Um for you to have experienced all this and, you know, now your kids are growing up and you are part of their lives. And, um, you know, I know you miss those special moments, but uh, you get to live through the moments that you guys are celebrating now. So congratulations on all your, on all your accomplishments. Now, um, you know, there are young people out there that may not be thinking about serving their country. They may be thinking about volunteer work. Um, what is your advice to these young people um, that are coming up these days with regarding uh, volunteering? Volunteering and serving others is extremely important. Uh, it's something that's a focal point of our mentorship program uh, the second uh, acronym is lead and then it's serve. And I don't believe that we can reach the true value of who we are without having a component of service and sacrifice. Uh, Martin Luther King said that not everyone can be great, but everyone can serve. And I, I believe that uh, when I initially moved to Spartanburg back in 1996, uh, getting my first job as a prosecutor, the second thing I did was began looking for ways to serve my community. I began serving with the Big Brother, Big Sister program. I got two little sisters at the time. I began working with the YMCA Black Achievers program. I just look for ways to give back and particularly to give back to um, my community and to children and families have always been an important component because I understand that 
I stand on the shoulders of those who served before me, and I have an obligation to reach back and to pull someone else behind me, pull them up ahead of me, and to hopefully uh, they'll aspire to go further than I've gone. So I think a part of uh, our own humanity, I know this is humanity chats, so a part of our own humanity should be serving others. It's a part of our humanity. I think Desmond Tutu has a a famous quote. I I think I may misquote it, but he says, to do a little bit of good where you are is those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. So I, I think we have an obligation to serve. And if we're not serving, we need to consider serving now. How can I get involved in my community? How can I make a difference? How can I impact? You know, your impact may not be monetarily. You may not be able to impact financially. You may not have resources to impact. Your impact may be or your service may be your time, your talent, your efforts, your gift, your voice, whatever it is, give it back to your community. Wow. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing what you said about um, Desmond Tutu. Um, basically, it's little drops of water make a mighty ocean. Yes. So, exactly. yes. <laughs> so <laughs> we all have something to contribute. So if you're young um, or even if you're old, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your religion, your gender, your race. Um, it is admirable to give service to your community. Um, the Honorable Erica L. McJimsey has dropped <laughs> some nuggets today. Um, she is a woman of excellence, um, so admirable. Uh, look at what she's been doing with her life. And I am proud to say that that is a lot of Black girl magic. Um, <laughs> yes, these examples, you know, we need to share more of these examples with the world so the world can see what is out there, what some of these great people, great citizens are doing. So thank you so much for joining us tonight and for sharing your life of service with us. Yes, yes, yes. Now, viewers, listeners, this is Humanity Chats. We thank you for joining us. Um, We cannot believe that we are in over 500 cities now, thanks to you. So if you're watching, remember, subscribe to Margie TV on YouTube, or you can always listen on any of the major podcasts. We are so thankful to our sponsors. We are thankful to our team and everybody who supports us. So until next time, where we're going to be talking about the Black life. Huh? You don't want to miss that episode because Mr. Kwanza, he is a Yale grad who went to Harvard Law School and he has done so much with his life, with his writing, um, with his outreach to other young men. You want to listen to his story. And that comes up at 7.30 p.m. Um, today. That's our second episode. So thank you all for joining us. Come back, listen to Mr. Kwanza, and from Honorable Erica McJimsey and myself, we say good night. Good night. Thank you for listening. Share with a friend. We are humans from all around the world, one kind only, and that is humankind. Your friend, Margie Marge. <laughs>